you for your word. Thank you that it's alive and active. And we ask now that your spirit would speak to us. Um, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So uh, again, my name is Aaron Sorensen, and I am uh, the new pastor here. Uh, I've been joking the last couple of weeks that I'm also the old pastor, which is true for those of you who don't know. I pastored here at the Highlands the last eight years. This summer had an opportunity which led me and my family out to Arizona. And during that time in Arizona, uh, both my wife and I really sensed uh, God speaking to us in, in meaningful, purposeful ways about the fact that we've really been called to ministry. And uh, in, in the short amount of time that we were gone, I really sensed God saying to me that um, this is just who God's created me to be. That is a pastor leading in the church. And I'm so thankful for that opportunity that God gave us to go and to hear his voice and to reaffirm our calling. And thankful that God op then, then opened up doors for us to come back to a church that my wife and I and my family would deeply love and care about. Um, but tonight, we do have that 7 o'clock time where we'd love the opportunity to meet you. If you have questions about our whole story, we would love to, to answer those questions. But more importantly, really just get a chance to meet you. So please feel free to come to that tonight uh, at, at 7. I, um, I want to share this morning just uh, as we close out now these three weeks. What we've really been doing over the last number of weeks is I've been trying to share just about our story, what God did, how God spoke to us. Um, and this will be the last week that, that we do that as a sermon. But, um, you know, there was two moments that we, both Kristen and I, experienced God's voice in a pretty profound way during, during, ch a church, during church services. And it was just part of God speaking to us. It wasn't the only time he spoke to us, but it was a part of God speaking to us. And you know, there's something about when we gather here on Sundays where, where we gather as believers and, and we know that God's spirit is among us, that it gives an amazing opportunity not just to, to worship God um, through music and hearing uh, God speak through his word, but just to, to, to sort of quiet ourselves in the midst of a busy life to really pay attention to God and, and, um, and hear from God. And, and so during a, during a Sunday service, at the church we were attending, there was a song. I don't remember the song, um, but I remember during this particular song that I was moved um, by God. And there's just moments in life as a Christian where um, sometimes you really sense and feel God, and then there's times that you don't as much. It doesn't mean that God isn't there. Just sometimes God, sh God chooses how he shows up, and sometimes he shows up in, in big ways, emotional ways. And this was a moment for me that while I, we were singing, I felt... Um, God's presence, and I, in my, in my head, I heard, go back. And um, I sensed, I felt the Spirit of God, and I, I, I heard those words, not in audible fashion, but they were in my head, and I wasn't sure at the time what that meant, what I was going back to, but I knew that God was there, and I knew God was speaking, and I wanted to pay attention to that. And uh, in doing so, realized that, in part, it was God saying, I want you to go back. Uh, to the Highlands. My wife, not on the same Sunday, but a, a different Sunday during a church service, the pastor shared a verse out of the book of 1 Thessalonians, and it really spoke to her. So sometimes God might put a thought in our head, and that's the way he speaks to us, and many times he speaks to us through his word. And this, in this case, he spoke to my wife through his word, and the, this verse that the pastor shared was this. It's 1 Thessalonians 2.8, so we cared for you. Because we loved you so much. 
We were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. And the season of being apart from the Highlands, as my wife heard that message, she sensed God's spirit in a powerful way, um, revealed to her that uh, how much she cares and loves and the depth of her care and love for this church and the desire to, re- to hopefully one day return to it because of the depth of her care and love. And so those were two important and powerful moments in, independent of one another, our, our hearing God's voice. Um, and we both feel that care and love um, and are delighted that we're given another opportunity to be a part of this church and help lead this church. I thought as we closed out this three-week time uh, looking at our story that I would share a video that many of you maybe have seen. It was a video that we sent out at the beginning of this process. But I'd like to show it again, and if you've seen it before, um, I hope it's okay to, to watch it one more time. Because I imagine there are some of you, maybe you're new here, maybe this is your first time, or maybe you never saw the email or didn't get it. Um, but it, it's a chance for you to hear uh, our story. Uh, it's a short video where we share a little bit about our story. And, and most important is that you get a chance to hear from my wife. So... Um, I'd like to share that, uh, share that with you. So that way uh, you can see her and recognize her that that is my wife. And so if you see her around, you can know that that's her and hopefully get a chance to meet her. Um, but also, um, this wasn't just my story, it was our story. And her voice um, is as important as mine. And I'm excited that she's sharing next Sunday because that is very much outside of her wheelhouse and what she's comfortable with. Um, But I'm proud of her for stepping out of that comfort and and speaking. And so for the women in our church, I just want to invite you to come to that. And I want to also say, and she's not going to like me for saying this, um, because she already told me she didn't like me saying it at the last service. Um, (laughs) Invite a lot of friends because I would love for this room to be packed so that she knows what it's like. Yeah, so, uh, uh, but I said to her, I go, you know, it's actually easier in a form, in my opinion, because it just kind of becomes a, a mush of people. But when it's 10 people, you really know. Like if someone falls asleep, you, you see him. So I go, you know, the more the better, in my opinion. But with that, I'd like to share this video, and um, I, hope, uh, I hope it'll speak to you in some way. So let's watch it. I'm Aaron. I'm Kristen. We have two kids, Jonas, who's seven, and Lainey, who's five. And our third on the way, due in April. We've been married 11 years, and I, up until this last summer, was a pastor for the last 15 and our entire marriage. We left ministry this last summer, took an opportunity here in Arizona um, in a completely different job. You know, God's really spoken to us the last number of months, I think in some pretty surprising ways, and has given us an opportunity, I think, to reflect on our marriage, our family, ministry. You know, being in, in ministry, is it's it's a unique job. It's, it's not a job that you can do without your spouse. And it really is a job that requires you to be a, be a team. One of the lies I, I bought into was thinking that if I just kept my job separate from my family life and my marriage, that maybe that would be better for my, my wife and my kids. And instead of protecting her, I think it really ended up hurting her. 
and over time was just kind of this source of rejection. As time went on, just years of feeling this way obviously was painful. It hurt me. It had a negative impact on our marriage as well. Um, and it felt like this calling that he had and this job that he had, instead of connecting me to the community that we were a part of, it actually felt like it isolated me from it. You know, this opportunity came for us to come to Arizona and I think for us it sparked a curiosity of maybe this was an opportunity for us to experience something new and a new season and a new chapter in our family's life. And by faith, I guess we just decided to step out over the course of the four or so months we've been here. But I started to feel pretty strongly that I was like outside of the design that really God had created me to be. But it can't just be my calling, it's gotta be our calling. And so I didn't say anything and I, I just prayed a lot. So these conversations started when we went out to dinner one night and we just started reflecting on like, what would we do different if we ever had the opportunity? How would we go back in it, into ministry and do it together as a team? And the first initial um, thoughts of mine were fear and, you know, what if we went back into it and pursued that and it ended up kind of in the same place. And I started actually feeling this longing to go back. We were at church and the pastor shared a verse and it really um, struck my heart. It's from 1 Thessalonians 2.8. It says, so having a tender affection for you, we were well pleased to share with you not only the good news of God, but also our own lives because you have become beloved to us. It, I just, it made me realize how much I, I longed for the people at the Highlands and how much I missed them and wanted to go back and be a part of the ministry that God's doing there. If it took God bringing us here, even for a short amount of time to like reveal to us both where we want to be and where he's calling us, then it's worth it all. And for us, I go, man, if God just, if he allowed us to come to Arizona to give us time to speak into our hearts, to reaffirm our calling, I go, man, what a gift that God would allow that. I'm hopeful about the potential to come back because I just feel like a fire to come back. I want to be more involved and be able to support Aaron's role and be a part of the team with him. And looking ahead, I go, what could God do when we're partnered together? The other thing I'm excited about is just the peace that comes with both of us knowing this is where we're supposed to be. Mm -hmm. I'm excited to be able to lead with that piece. So Kristen and I, we have a tender affection for you, for this church. And we are um, delighted to be able to share our lives with you. And we look forward to being able to serve and love you, we hope well, and are excited about the future that God has for our church. You know, it's necessary, particularly in times like this where God is up to things that we can't even imagine. You know, this was an unusual story. Um, me leaving and then coming back so soon. It's important that we take time to reflect in our lives. And we, we need to take time to reflect, to pay attention to what was God up to? 
What was God doing? What was God teaching us throughout this? And there's necessary moments in our lives for taking time to reflect. And then there's times uh, where it's time to move forward. And over the last number of weeks, we've been able to take time to reflect. Um, And we will at times continue to look back and God will reveal more and more about this season together as a church. But I believe it's time now to look forward. What does God have for us next? It's a question I've been asked uh, quite a bit the last number of weeks since, since we got back. This is a new chapter in our church's life. This is a new story. And in a lot of ways, uh, I'm, a, I'm a new pastor and my wife and I are both very different. We come back to a new church. Because even in the short time we were gone, so many of you have come for the first time. And so the church we left is not the same church that we are now at today. And as we look forward, what does God have for us? And so as I've been asked that question a lot, as I've thought about that question um, a lot, I'd like to share uh, a couple things. Because I'll be honest, um, I don't know what we're supposed to necessarily start or stop. I have thoughts about it. I have dreams about it. I don't know about things we're supposed to build or not build um, or programs we're supposed to to initiate or or organizations we're we're to partner with. Um, But I know God does. And I know in time, as we enter a new chapter together, God is going to reveal that to us. But one of my roles as pastor of this church, you know, one of the, the metaphors that Jesus would use is, you know, he's our shepherd. And we are the sheep. And one of the roles of the shepherd is to look for dangers and threats. And one of my roles as a pastor is as, I, as we look ahead together, what are some of the threats? What are some of the dangers that will keep us from experiencing the future that God has for us? And if you look at all the headlines that you can read about the church, the church in America, and all the, all the, all the, the, the difficult things uh, that may be going on or all the things that are uh, against us, uh, I think one of the things that as we look forward together as a church that we must pay attention to is not necessarily the trends and the polls and the stats about the church and, and, and different ages or not coming or, or coming or the division, the culture wars that we find ourselves in. The thing that I, I think that we need to pay attention to is that we, ne- we do not fall into a place of apathy, of indifference, where we just become sort of comfortable as a church, where we sort of settle into our stride and um, we just sort of seek God, participate in the life of the church when it is easy, good, and convenient for us. Because when a church sort of finds themselves in a place of apathy or comfort or indifference, one of the things the church stops doing is dreaming about what God could do. That one of the dangers in, in living, particularly in a, in a society, which it's such a gift that we have so much, that God has blessed us with so much, that the worries that other people are facing, like how am I going to get 
water to keep me alive or food to sustain me. Most of us in this room, if not all of us, those are not the things we worry about or the things that keep us up at night. We often get tricked into worrying about things like, and it's not that we necessarily shouldn't worry or we shouldn't care, but compared to the deeper problems that people are facing in the world, they're pretty minute. But like, you know, what's my work week going to look like? What, what, are the, what, what new restaurants should I check out? Where are we going to go on, on vacation? Uh, are, you know, am I going to have enough money to buy that thing or whatever, whatever those, those things are? And I'm not saying that to sort of demean the things that we worry about um, or that we, we care about. But one of the things is that as we, as a people become more and more self-sustainable, it's easy to push God out of the picture. And there was a church that, um, in the book of Revelation, Jesus is speaking to these different churches and he's addressing particular issues uh, in in these churches. And um, he speaks to a a church in Laodicea and and the things that that bother him is that this church has become really so self-sustainable that they've become indifferent. And he goes, it's just, I can't, I can't handle that. Listen to what he says. He says, to the angel of the church in Laodicea, write this. These are the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation, Jesus. These are his words. I know your deeds, that you're neither hot nor cold. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. Let me just pause there for a second. You know, it's, it's, a, it's a striking text. Because Jesus is like, I will spit this church, this group of people out of my mouth. Because you are indifferent. You are not hot or cold. You are lukewarm. He goes as far as to say, I'd rather you just be one or the other. But this whole like in the middle thing, I despise. And he says, like, what, what's led to that? It's not that, that he's against wealth or, you know, against all the blessings that, that we have in this world, like in, 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 in this country or any of that stuff. But what he, what he says there is, he's like, look, you say, like, I'm rich. And it's not that I have a problem with you having stuff. What I have a problem with is the second part of that verse. I do not need a thing. You don't need me. You don't want me. You're indifferent to me. When it comes to me, you're apathetic. And it's hurtful to God. <laughs> and it disgusts God. And, 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 and so he's like, I'm done. Like, I, I just, I, I don't want it. I spit it out of my mouth. I don't want that lukewarm sort of relationship. And it's striking and it should convict us. 
when we have found ourselves in, in, in life where maybe we are our sustainer, God is not. Where we find ourselves in seasons where, um, you know, we sort of package God and our relationship with God and church into lives where it makes sense, where it's comfortable, where there's time. Where really our first love is our lives, ourselves, our family, and our second love is God. And if there's leftovers, I'm, I'm happy to share. But Jesus is like, I'm to be your first love. I'm not something that's supposed to be sort of packaged nicely into your schedule. That I'm not meant to be your leftover. I'm meant, I'm, I'm, I want to be your priority. And, and so he's honest about, about that. And it should, I think, we should feel the weight of that. But then we should also feel the weight of his love and compassion and grace. Because listen to what he goes on to say. Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. Like sometimes we need to be rebuked and disciplined. And sometimes he's got to get our attention. And it's not because he's an angry God looking to hurt us. But he goes on to say, to those I love, I rebuke. It's because I love you. So be earnest, which is like, be honest. Am I indifferent? Is God priority? Is God not? Is God kind of packaged into my life or does my life revolve around him? And he goes, just be earnest and then what? Repent. Turn. Just turn from it. Turn back to me. It's okay. Be honest if you're lukewarm. He goes, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. So it's not that like, it's like, you know, repent to me and then um, I'll, I'll, I'll start you on a maze to eventually get to me. He's like, I'm there. Even in your lukewarmness, I am there and I'm knocking on the door of your life saying, come, open the door. I stand and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person. That's, that, that's, that's sort of the imagery of I'm going to have a relationship with you. And they with me. To the one who's victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. Not just come have a meal with me, but I will share in my blessings. Just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne, whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And so, if you were to ask me, and you keep that verse up there, because I, I, if you were to ask me, Aaron, what is the plan? What are we doing? Like, where are we going? Man, I got, I got ideas, and I can answer that question, and I've got dreams. But I believe what's most important right now is for us who have ears. I think most of us do. Let us hear what the Spirit says to the church. What is God saying to you about our church? What is God saying to me about our church? What, is, what are the stories that God wants to tell in and through our church? When I think about the, the kind of church I pray and, and I hope we are, I hope we are a church and a people that dreams big. Because I'm not really super interested in pastoring, nor just attending a church that has a desire to be middle of the road normal. I don't even know what that means. I had a friend, I remember him telling me once, he goes, Aaron, I just, oh, I just wish my life was normal. And I go, what, is that, what does that mean? Normal. 
I just, you know, I want to get married, have kids, make a lot of money, be able to go do this and that, buy a house, have it. And it's like, those aren't bad things. But I'm like, okay, I want a lot of those things too. But is that really like your dream? I mean, at the end of your life, are you going to be, as you reflect in your final moments on earth, go, I'm so happy I lived like everybody else. I'm so happy I was normal and I did what 95% of everyone else did. Man, I think you're going to want to have stories to tell. And I want, I, I want to be a part of a church that has people who have stories to tell. And I want to be a part of a church that the church has stories to tell. You want to know the stories that I would share while we were in Arizona about this church? They weren't that, you know, we did, we did two services. And, you know, we, we, uh, we did a lot of what all the other churches are doing. I would tell stories about our adoption goal that we set a number of years ago where we sense God saying, adopt or foster 50 kids over five years. And we saw God meet that 50 in, in like four years and we ended up with over 60. I tell the story and this came up at the church is doing a 21 day fast. I tell the story of how a number of years ago, Jeff Bezos with all of his money gobbled up all the steel in the country during COVID and you couldn't get your hands on steel and our builder came. He called me and said, Aaron, I'm sorry, but we have to, we're probably gonna have to delay the project because Amazon has all the steel and we, we can't get the steel trusses and I, it's, it's just the building isn't gonna happen on the timeline that we hope for. And I was like, okay, well, we're fasting as a church, so we're going to pray and ask God. Because guess what? God can do more than Bezos. <laughs> I don't care how much money the guy has. And guess what? The church prayed and prayed and prayed. I got a phone call from, from that same guy, and he goes, I've never seen this in my career. But I just got a phone call that the steel trusses are on their way. They will be here when we originally thought. Like, this is unbelievable. Whatever you guys are doing, keep doing. That's what he said. <laughs> I tell stories about one of, like, the, the 40 plus baptisms that we saw. That God was working in young people's lives. That God was bringing people into this church. That last Easter, we saw a line of cars going out to that road that people wanted to, you know, hear about Christ. Like, these are the stories, and guess what? Those stories just, they didn't just happen because we were doing the same thing. Those stories happened because we sought God. We asked God, you know, what, what God are you up to? What are your dreams for our church? And I'll tell you what, a lot of times uh, we, we fail to, to sort of step into what God is asking because we're afraid because it's going to cost us something. And we're not going to have as much control as maybe we would like. And we might, we might fail. I'll never forget when that number 50 of adoptions and fostering came up. I go, ah, Paul, maybe we should do 20 because I think we could hit that realistically. And Paul's like, no, it's 50. Because why? Because that's what we sense God saying. And if we drop it, then we're, we're just stepping into something that maybe we can make happen through our strategy and skill. And yet, if we, if we step into faith into the 50 and, and, and God moves, we're going to look back and go, we only, we only saw that happen because God showed up. 
And so I want to be a part of a church with you where we have stories to tell. Where yes, it costs us something, but, it, but we go, it's worth it every time to sacrifice in that way. I want to be a part of a church that dreams and can tell stories about, boy, you know what? We saw God do things that we could have never done ourselves. That we, we weren't interested in normal and safe and secure and comfortable. We were interested in, in trusting God and at times that meant we took risks for the kingdom of God and we had no idea how it was going to happen. We had no idea uh, how God would provide, but guess what? He showed up. And I, I got to say, those are the stories I think that not only we want to tell, but those are the stories that people are clamoring to hear. God is real. He's on the move. He's working. He uses us. He's for us. He's after us. He takes care of us. And when we fail to dream big and we fail to step out in faith, we just miss out on a big God showing up in big ways. So my ask is dream. And not, not, not just your dream or my dream, but to pursue God's dreams. When you look out into the communities you're a part of, when you look out at, at this church, you, know, you, you see problems or, or, or things that need fixing and you go, what, what, how can we step into what God's doing to, to respond to that? You know, one of the benefits of going to the third service is you get two, two, two services where I can kind of work things out. Um, and... Uh, and, and I didn't do this at the first uh, two services. And this is the blessing, I guess, that you, you get at the third. But when I got off the stage, I was talking to my wife during the music. And I said, like, what's, what's your dream? Like, what's one of your dreams? And then she asked me what mine was. And I'll, I'll, I'll share that with you. Like, one of hers was, um, you know, she, she strayed uh, in high school. And she really uh, didn't have a a mentor, a woman in her life that could really uh, stand next to her and disciple her in that season. And she said, my dream is that this church, like that high school girls would, would, would leave their home and go into college and just sort of have like a faith, like a bedrock that was, you know, strong, that, that as life kind of pulled them this way and that way, they weren't pulled in their, in their relationship with Jesus Christ and that they would have a woman, an older woman who could stand next to them and pray for them and support them. That was just a dream that she has. And she said, what's yours? And I go, you know, one of mine is I dream to see the Highlands plant a church. You know, I had a, a guy bring me into his office a number of years ago and he had a dream about planting a church. And he invited me into that dream. He says, would you be a part of that dream? Would you, would you plant a church? And I didn't even believe that that was possible. And I said, oh, I was so young. I had no idea what that meant. So in some ways, the ignorance was bliss. And I said, yes, absolutely, I'll do it. And that office, it was Paul Johnson. And I got to be a part of, and do something I never thought I would be a part of or do in my life. And that was in team, plant a church. It's still reaching people today. And discipleship is really 
the call for each of us to, to, to give to another what's been given to us. And, and I, I look at what Woodridge has done and, and, and provided and the network has provided for us in this church. And what better way to sort of repay what, what God has given us than to do what one, what, what one did for us to do for another person. And just to see, I dream of seeing the Highlands just planning a church. And I think back to Paul Johnson was asked by Leith Anderson to plant Woodridge. And so Woodridge was planted by, by Wooddale. And then Woodridge planted the Highlands. And so sometimes I meet people from Wooddale and I go, we're your granddaughter. And I go, what would it be like for us to, to, to birth a new church community and for Woodridge to have a granddaughter and Wooddale to have a great-great-granddaughter? And so that's part of my dream. But what is yours? So the invite that I have for us and what I'd like you to really pursue is join me in dreaming about what this next season of life and this next chapter of our church's life, uh, what are the dreams that God has for us? And think big. Let's risk big. And not foolishly, but for the sake of God's kingdom. I don't think any of us want to look back and just be content with normal lives going to normal churches. Let's, let's, let's live radical lives of trust. Let's, let's be a radically uh, different church in that our ears are open to whatever the Spirit's saying and we're willing to go. So, would you pray with me? And this is how it happens. It happens through prayer and seeking the presence of God and paying attention to his voice. That requires intentionality. It requires us to slow down enough in life to make God priority. Because I would imagine the church in Laodicea was having a real hard time hearing God's voice. And so for us to hear God's voice, we must be intentional around the way in which we're using what God's given us, the way in which we're using the time God's given us and the talents God's given us. Particularly time. That God, that God would get our firsts. And when giving God our time, we'll hear his voice. So would you join with me in giving God our time so we could hear his voice and then dream. And then the second part of this is, I want to invite you to email me uh, those dreams. And I think it would be so cool if over the course of the next few weeks or months that we collect the dreams of our church and we pray then corporately about those and we discern together what is God asking of us. And then we will be able to answer this question more fully. Aaron, where are we going? What's next? And I want God to answer those questions. And I'm excited to, to experience together how God answers those. Are you? All right, let's stand and pray and let's invite God to speak. Jesus, speak. Give us big dreams. Um, I just invite your spirit now to speak to us. And then uh, I also pray that the enemy, uh, you know, as, 
as we begin to dream and imagine and hear your voice, the enemy will inevitably sort of try to create doubt around that. Like, oh, was it God? Was it me? Or that's not a good idea. I would never share that with the pastor. I'd be embarrassed. Or fear, like it's too big or we'll fail. I pray against all the voice of the enemy. And so let us just clearly hear your voice now together as you lead us forward into a new and exciting and our next chapter together as a church. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.